Good afternoon. Welcome to North Point of View, beautiful downtown Savannah, Georgia with Dr. Walter Kimsey's. Walter, hey, how are you? I'm good, good, how are you? I'm good. Hey, uh, this morning I woke up and I was just thinking about Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about great literature, great books. And uh, one of my favorites all time was The Comedy of Errors. Yes. <laughs> just seeing the title makes you laugh. <laughs> well, yeah, some of it does. But now that we dig into it, uh, you know, the last year, year and a half been interesting. Um, a lot going on. You and I were talking about this uh, this morning briefly. I mean, it's, it's like a, a convergence of missteps and mistakes. Uh, but to your point earlier, at least now it's all on the table. Yeah. Uh, let's sort of break down where, where you see where that's come from and sort of where we are now going forward. Yeah, so unpacking that, um, you know, we had COVID three years ago. And I could show you charts. If you look at the U.S. employment data that goes all the way back to 1939, and so it's a long time series, but it looks like a little heartbeat monitor because when you hit 2020 in March, we fired 20 million people in one month. So the non-farm payrolls drops by an amount bigger than any other point before. And then we reopened the economy and three months later, we have this surge of 10 million people employed. And then it continues to grow at low rates. But when you look at that, in that chart, you can see this is what a one in a hundred year event looks like. So severe, it confused everybody. In the beginning, we all thought that it would be like this forever. We had some analysts and I actually heard somebody say this in front of a group of executives, looking at the fact that the brick and mortar store sales were down to nothing. The, the analyst said, obviously we're never gonna shop in stores again. Now, if you're 30 years old and you have a lot of data, but not a lot of experience, I understand it. But what the data was really saying is we couldn't shop in stores. And three months later, when we reopened the economy or was fully reopened, people went back to this, back to buying at stores. It's like being in the middle of a hurricane and saying it's the sun's never going to shine again. Yeah, exactly. And then you get that little break in the middle, yeah. right? As the eye passes yeah. over you and then all of a sudden, what the hell? Go back inside. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so that, that really threw people off. And what made it worse was the excessive amount of fiscal stimuli and monetary stimuli to the economy. I mean, $5 trillion into households, checkbooks, they didn't need that. Once everybody was alley, alley, oop, you know, we're all out. It was not necessary. But no, we had a second and a third and a fourth, and then Biden came in, we got another one. Oh my goodness, $5 trillion. Our economy, when this happened, was about a 17 trillion economy. So that's roughly a third of our GDP, just print the checks and send it out. It's a lot of big screen TVs. Right? Exactly, oh my goodness. Yeah, but you know what? There were a lot of people who had a, needed to replace their kitchen table. Right. And, you know, so some of it was yeah. valid. You yeah. had to build school de uh, classroom desks in your kid's bedroom yeah. so they could go to school, a home office. We get all of that. But when you look at the behavior of people, like one friend of mine told me his 80-some-year-old father finally learned how to use Amazon. And he's a fisherman, good, makes him a good guy. But he bought five fishing rods. <laughs> his son said, Dad, why did you do this? 
because I've never seen such great bargains and great fishing rods. <laughs> well, where are you going to use them? Because I'll find up, so I'll figure something well, out. for every day of the week, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Through> product. <laughs> so, uh, so there was a lot of silly shopping as well. Um, the larger retailers in the country made a grab for market share. They right. had the balance sheet to pay, you know, instead of the normal two to $4,000 for a 40-foot container, they were able to pay $30,000 in the spot market to get a 40-foot container on a rare spot in the ship and bring it in. And when you break the data down, the big stores, the, big, the, the general merchandise stores, which is what they're called, they rebuilt their inventories long before all retailers did. And what that means is all retailers includes the big guys and the little guys. The big guys, obviously, pretty much in a short period of time, they were okay. But all of the smaller companies were not okay. They couldn't afford to pay twenty, twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars for something that a, a container shipment of, of and practically of goods that weren't even worth as much as the the rate itself. So the problem is that at the big retailers, somebody forgot to tell them to step in the brakes. They just were going down that road and they're like, "Wow, it's interesting. I can't see the end of the road. There's a curve." And by the time they realized there was a curve, stepping on the brake didn't help. They just flipped over. Right. And that started last year, March. We saw the biggest retailers by revenue in the U.S. Uh, tell the, the Wall Street analysts that they had way too much inventory. For the general merchandisers, if I was in 2018, 2019 talking to you now and you said, Walter, where do you think we're going to be in 2023 inventories for these merchandisers? Where do, you, where do you think? I would have said at most $80 billion. To the last data point we have, which comes from March, says they were at $100 billion. So that's $20 billion of stuff to get rid of. And so the big retailers have been handing it to the downstream discount retailers, uh, companies like TJX, and uh, they've been doing very well with their sales because they discount the heck out of everything. and. It's good stuff. It would have been sold in a highbrow retailer store, but they couldn't do that. So uh, the, the, the TJX and other discounters, they take advantage of that. I saw Walmart's that. numbers are up 7.4% last month. So yeah. it sounds good, but when you break it down, right. it was staples. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it, personal hygiene products. You know, A lot more people are getting a job these days, so I figure they probably have to bathe more often. I don't know why the personal yeah, hygiene going, products. Going back to the office, right? <laughs> exactly. Have to take a shower. <laughs> and then we have, uh, and then it was food. Walmart is the cheapest, yeah. at least in Savannah, they are the cheapest for food. Yeah. And uh, I've even noticed some of the other supermarkets in the last three weeks or so starting to take their prices down. Uh, and so uh, the food inflation is beginning to ebb. <clears throat> And I don't think this was because of the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. I think this was because our ability to make food improved as the bad weather from last year went away. We, were, we planned things a little more carefully. Um, you know, uh, Russia finally let the uh, Ukrainian wheat boats leave and distribute around the world. You know, agriculture and food is not an American thing. It's not a Russian thing. It's a global thing. The markets are globally integrated. So that disruption, the weather disruptions, the rivers being at historically low levels from last year, that hurt. It wasn't because we gave people $5 trillion that they went out and started eating 20% more food. I mean, come on. So, which is basically, we've just kind of migrated into the political area. 
Well, to, to talk about the inventory levels and sort of, you know, focus on that for a, for a minute, you know, we've talked about it being sort of the, the rat through the python. Right. Where do you think will be in terms of inventory levels by the end of the year? I would say by the end of third quarter, we will be back at a at a normalized level. Okay. okay. There's a lot of work being done to to to, bear, to burn things. Toy manufacturers, uh, you know, a lot of them run campaigns. So you know, let's say uh, there's a new Hulk movie, right? Hulk 10.0 or whatever, and and Hasbro bids to do the merchandising. And if they win, then they're going to produce a ton of you know Hulk 10.0 action figures that they're going to go sell in the local department stores, say Target. And the movie shows in town, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, you know, the, the movie is well attended. A lot of the kids buy the Hulks, but there's too many Hulks left over in the store. And after three weeks, after the movie's gone, nobody's going to go buy a Hulk 5.0. It's done. So you either ship it to other places that are still showing the movie, or what is normally done is you gather it all together, melt it down into little cubes, and you send it back to China or Vietnam or India or wherever, where they're going to uh, melt it down again and make the new action figures, you know, Batman 25.0. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for being a little sarcastic about it, but you know, I wish Hollywood could come up with, you know, a new genre of something. I don't want to see another Batman movie. <laughs> but uh, anyways. Well, if, if inventory is back, if levels are back, uh, stabilized by the end of the third quarter, then, you know, as we take a look at 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 least the U.S. economy, then that's one of the really stabilizing uh, influences in our markets, right? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I think we won't yet be in a recession in the fourth quarter. And all the retailers who have been canceling more purchase orders from Asia than placing them, and you can see that in the Chinese data, it's dreadful. They they reopened from COVID and and they're like, you know, they're, they're the, the poster child for the, I've fallen and I can't get up. Right. It's not good in China. And so um, the, we get to the close to the fourth quarter. It doesn't look like we're going to be in a recession. And just like in 2009, when the corporate executives were warned by me at the Trans-Pacific Maritime in March, you better start placing your orders and ocean carriers, unlay up your ships because it takes weeks to un- unlay up a ship. And they didn't, and it was panic and chaos at the end of 2019, early, uh, sorry, 2009. In 2010, I got 15 phone calls in January, would you please be our supply chain consultant? Right, because there's a dynamic thing at work. So it's, you know, what's happening here is, you know those little, the little uh, Newton gang, they have these little balls hanging from strings, and you pull one and it bangs the balls, and the other one goes up, and it goes back and forth, and so the reverberations are still there. We're not out of that yet, but we will be mostly out of it by the time we get to October or so. We buy $600 billion of retail goods a month. It's only 20 billion we got to get rid of, but it's, a, it's still a lot, a lot of stuff to sell. So wrapping up this wait, segment. Wait, we forgot, we left, the, we left another thing out. Okay. The political instability. I mean, China's reaction to COVID yeah. And then the U.S. provoking China over Taiwan and then Russia invading Ukraine has created an awful lot of uh, uncertainty. And when that, all that stuff started, nobody knew what to think. Uh, I think 
the good news is that all of the stuff that was out there that was simmering, that wasn't getting enough attention until finally it, it blew up last year, this year, it's all out there. And it's easier to deal with stuff that you know about. It's easier to restabilize when it's out there than if it's hidden. So um, I, to me, the good news is, is, you know, barring anything else, like an asteroid hitting the planet, I think it's all out there. This is, I think we're at the bottom, you know, on the, but going up, not at the bottom and going down anymore. Yeah, and when you think about it, when you put all those factors on the table at the same time, that is a lot for the market to mm -hmm. process. I mean, that's, I mean, you think about, you know, China and their activity this year, you think about Russia, you know, at war. Uh, I mean, you think about, you know, the, the, the post-pandemic hangover, uh, the, the pressure on the, the office markets. Now we're seeing the, the pressure on the, you know, the banks. Uh, that's mm -hmm. a lot. And so. And we have the budget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so to that point, to be able to walk through the other side of that um, and to be at a place where um, you're back to the trend line and moving up, then there should be a lot of wind in our sails. Yeah. next year. Absolutely. And, and one of the things we're going to talk about, some of the solutions that are being, will be applied to make it all work could mean an incredibly um, prosperous 2020s decade. Yeah. I still believe in that. Back to the roaring 20s. Wow. Absolutely. We've come full circle. <laughs> Walter, always great. Same here, man. All right. We'll see Take you care. guys soon. Thanks. Bye.